Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and those of you who know me know I talk about the Kingdom of God. I talk about it all the time. I live, breathe, and walk and talk about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Surprise, surprise. Many people are getting ready to celebrate Christmas. Uh, I haven't celebrated Christmas since I was nine years old. I uh, stopped celebrating Christmas as a holiday back when I was set outside of a mall-type store. We didn't really have malls back in those days, but there was a place where there were a number of stores, and there was kind of this mall in between. We, I don't think we called them malls back then. And uh, they had big open fronts, and uh, I was sat down on this bench with my brothers and sisters, and my parents went off to evidently do Santa's work. And uh, they were going to come back and get us. And my older brother was making sure that we did not get off the bench. And uh, so anyway, but while I was sitting there, I saw this discount table out front of the store. It had all kinds of discount items on it. And somebody brought out a big cardboard barrel, which was we'd seen those many times back in those days, and dumped out all these items, sale items, that were reduced down in price. And, uh, you know, sweaters and gloves and hats and different things like that. And people hovered around that big, long, open table with little sides on it and began to pick through. And they were reaching over and other people were reaching and grabbing and pulling things. And I saw a dead carcass and vultures hovering (laughs) around the carcass, jerking off pieces of meat. And I watched the people's faces. I was a people watcher even when I was way back a small child. And uh, I watched their faces, and I did not see the love of Christ in there. I didn't see any love. I, it was actually almost frightening to watch, except for I, I watched from kind of a from a distance and wasn't caught up too much in it, uh, wasn't shaken or nervous or frightened or anything like that. But I saw what I did not want to have anything to do with. And so I stopped celebrating Christmas. I'd heard everybody talk every year about Christmas being too um, commercialized. And so I stopped celebrating Christmas and uh, became known as the Bah Humbug Kid. And uh, every time somebody would say Merry Christmas, I would say Bah Humbug. And being a cute little kid, I got away with it. Uh, But I actually did this right on through the seminary. I didn't celebrate Christmas. I didn't exchange gifts. I constantly told the story that gifts should not, gift giving should not be seasonal. It should be year round. Whenever you see the need to give something, you should give. And I was studying to be a missionary, and somehow or other, I got away with this. Uh, I didn't think I, since I started by the time I was nine, by the time I entered the seminary at thirteen, I was pretty much used to the flack you get when. You, <laughs> go through life like this and I always did it with a good nature so that uh, you know nobody you know everybody thought I was weird already I suppose but uh, I got got away with it many years later I began to find out more things about uh, the pagan rituals that have been brought into what was supposed to be a Christ holiday or you know survive the transition from true christendom to the false christendom that we see today yet there's elements of 
the true Christ written in because it's in the Bible and therefore you'll find it in every church but you'll also find this other burden and of course these these rituals are just symptoms of a problem they're not the problem celebrating Christmas is not the problem putting up a tree is not the problem it's a little hard on the tree because uh, I was like Johnny Fever's line in the true spirit of Christmas we went out and killed the tree and uh, that's that's kind of sums it up <laughs> in a nutshell but it also has become the holiday of greed I know people that are still paying off the last Christmas by the 1st of December of the next Christmas uh, because they bought everything on credit cards something seriously wrong with that but so much for Christmas so we don't really celebrate Christmas here we celebrate it by going out and doing our neighbors chores when they're gone and making sure that their cats are fed and their dogs are taken care of or whatever it is that they need because some people want to go away on the holidays and it's good to go away and meet with your family members and get together so there's good can come out of these rituals and these ritual holidays and so we have no objection to them but we want to always be bringing people to a brighter awareness of what the message of God really is all about Gift giving is about service to each other, taking care of one another when there is real need. This was what bound societies together, is their social welfare system. And that social welfare system to bind you together with faith, hope, and charity and what we call the perfect law of liberty requires, requires, that what you give to one another is freely given. At Christmas, many of the gifts are not freely given. They're given because, oh, I ha- what am I going to get Uncle Fred? What am I going to get Steve? I can never figure out what to buy that guy. And there's all this worry and frustration. It's not things they need. It's not being of service to them. It's just stuff. It's usually more stuff than they should have. Children are getting spoiled by stuff. Meanwhile, the social welfare system of your society is managed by men with guns. We did not stand fast in the liberty in which God has made us free through Christ. We are not only in bondage to our rituals and religions, we are also in bondage to the world. But again, These are symptoms, symptoms of the fact that we did not follow Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? To do as he did, to come and go and live and work and breathe and eat as he did. What did he come to do? He came to serve. How did he want to serve? To teach us how to serve one another. Teach us how to love one another. Serving one another in itself is not necessarily love. Giving to somebody is not necessarily love. It may be hate. That's how socialism gets going. Is your leaders of a socialist state hold the people in contempt. Most of the people who are ambitious and hardworking enough to get into a position of power in a socialist state hold those people on welfare in contempt. 
because they see them as lazy. But they cater to that laziness because it gives them power. Your apathy gives them power. Where does your apathy come? It it comes from self-righteousness. It comes from self-service. It comes from wanting to be comforted. Wanting a minister who tickles your ear. I'm looking for a church that makes me feel comfortable. I've actually heard people say that out loud. Like, my gosh, did you hear what you said? (laughs) As many as I love, I rebuke. We talked about that in the last show. We'll talk about that all the time. We're not supposed to make each other feel comfortable. We are supposed to make each other feel very uncomfortable about being unrighteous, about being lazy, about being uh, not diligent in the virtues of Christ. The virtues of Christ is patience and long-suffering and service and, and rebuke, rebuking one another. Get ye behind me, Satan. That's pretty mean stuff. That Christ, he's a meanie. You know? The poor virgins, we've stayed virgins. Yeah, we danced around a little bit and had a little party and we didn't trim the wicks of our candles and we wasted a little bit of time. But, I mean, we're virgins. You know, I equate that to all the people who are telling me they're ambassadors of Christ. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I don't need a driver's license. I don't need their ID. I don't need that. I'm an ambassador of Christ. I'm from a separate government. When are you going to start doing what Christ did? How many thousands have you fed? How many thousands have you taken care of? Have you forsaken the gathering together and forming a network? You know, we write about this in the book, Thy Kingdom Comes, that the early church was this vast network that reached all across the Roman Empire and beyond into the Scandinavian countries, into Ireland. There were Christians coming from Ireland, princes coming from Ireland before Peter ever got anywhere near Rome preaching Christianity this message of Christianity had been around for almost 300 years actually been around for thousands of years but there had been a group that had been getting pretty close to the idea of what Christianity really was supposed to be because they were returning to what early Israel used to be we have so many Messianic Jews today or yeah I guess it's what you call Messianic Jews uh today that are trying to get back to their roots, but they're only going back to the Pharisees. And that's not quite to the Sadducees. They haven't done that. Maybe to the Zealots. But they're not getting back to early Israel what it was doing, because most people don't know. Because their understanding of the Old Testament is as bad as their understanding in Romans 13. They don't really understand what were they doing. This was a government, a nation, operating by faith, hope, and charity, where what held the nation together was their love for their neighbor and their love for God. And what was God? Law, judgment, mercy, and faith that the perfect law of liberty actually does work. So we're going to go over, in the next couple of hours, we're going to go over some of the emails that are coming in. I haven't even read them all. Uh, I've been cutting and pasting out of some of them so that I have some sort of a topic to go by. And some of the comments are really very good, and some of the comments are really very bad. <laughs> we will turn them to good by looking at the bad comments 
and finding out what it is that people are missing. And yes, that will appear as rebuke. But as many as I love, I also rebuke. If I don't bother to take the time to tell you where you're going wrong, then I don't really love you, do I? You know, I I cannot abide in the men who see, or women who see you doing something wrong and don't bother telling you. I don't want to tell them. He might be mad at me. So I let him drive over that cliff. I let him head for trouble. Can't do that. I mean, that has to be foreign to our nature. And if it's not foreign to your nature, you better look at it until it hurts you so much it becomes foreign to your nature. And it shouldn't hurt you. shouldn't create resentment to see your failings. You're not supposed to judge yourself either. You're just supposed to see them and suffer with them. And fast from hiding from the truth. Most of fasting, that's what it's about. It's fasting from our hiding places. Don't run back to your hiding place. Some people's hiding place is food. Some people's hiding place is music. Uh, Turn the radio up because I'm starting to hear my conscience. So turn the radio up. I don't want to hear my conscience or God's conscience in me. We use the world as a distraction so that we don't see ourselves as we really are. We need to be still and know. We need to fast from our distractions. We need to suffer the light so that we can receive more light. If you hide from the truth about your own failing as an individual, you will not grow in the light because you will love darkness. Now, we, we talked about that in the last show about uh, John 3.15 and reading on to 20 and 21, 22, and realizing that, that faith doesn't exist unless we love the light and go to the light and admit the error of our ways. The modern denominational church that has gone so far away from the ways of Christ is a symptom, not the problem. You cannot twist the man's arm to get him back to righteousness. He must be drawn to righteousness because he has made a spiritual choice. Not an intellectual choice, a spiritual choice. People are always making intellectual choices to put on this garb, this pattern of behavior, this uh, appearance to the world so that they will appear righteous. And there's there's parables about this and stories about this. You know, so Christ talks about going into your closet, prayer closet, and praying. He's dealing with the boastful prayer, the boastful religionist who wants to be up at his pulpit. Someone asked the question, is there a... Uh, pastor, I think they use the word, that has a church or chapel that is promoting what Christ, uh, what HHC, whatever that means, is promoting. We are not HHC. We are not His Holy Church. Yeah, I got a website that's that, and, and a number of people support and work together with us to make that a reality, but uh, 
His holy church are those who do his will. He determines who his holy church is, not us, not the profession of our faith or our website. Christ will determine. He will be judged. We are striving. We are seeking the ways. And we've come across a lot of information that most people are unaware of. And so what do we do? We share that. And when we share that information, it looks like rebuke. And maybe it is rebuke. But as many as I love, I also rebuke. As many as I rebuke, I also love. And so that's what we're doing is we're sharing with you what we've discovered and hope that you will see it too. And if we're wrong, we hope that you love us enough to rebuke us and tell us that we're wrong. <clears throat> so we have a phone number. And if you want to jot it down, if you want have the courage to call or the inclination to call and the courage <laughs> and a phone and the time you can call us and the number is 414-395-2442 that's 414-395-2442 so you can call that number and ask a question or make a comment and we're going to be going through some of these items that uh, other people have brought up and we'll hopefully, if you've uh, made a post in the last uh, couple of days on, or even last week, we'll come across your post and we'll uh, read a few tidbits from it and see what you have to uh, say or think on this subject. And uh, what I sent out last night uh, was uh, a statement on... Um, uh, oh, I see the other comments here that uh, I didn't notice before, so we'll get to those too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, last night I was saying uh, most people who claim to be seeking the kingdom actually cannot handle the truth. That is because the truth often hurts and people are looking to be comforted. They are looking for somebody to tickle their ears and tell them that they're saved and that they're okay and that God loves them and so that he died for your sins and so therefore you're saved. And the reality is is that many of the people who are professing that are a part of that group that Christ talks about that he's going to say, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. And people are not actually saved. They just think they are. And they're afraid to think that they're not so that if you suggest, well, you know, maybe you're not saved because... I see evidence that you are not really doing what Christ said, and I see that in the fact that I've looked into it and found that Christ was doing this, the early church was doing this, and none of you are doing that. And Christ specifically said you were to do that. I mean, pure religion. Are you taking care of all the widows and orphans and needy and all their needs within your church, chapel, or whatever, unspotted by the constitutional order or system of government of the world. In other words, not depending on any government welfare that comes by way of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Because if your church chapel or whatever is not doing that entirely, you are not following Christ. 
If you are not following Christ, you are not keeping His commandments. If you are not keeping His commandments, then you don't love Him. If you don't love Him, then you do not have access to His salvation because you don't believe Him. You say you believe Him. I got that. You profess and confess that you believe Him, but you will do terrible things. You will deny the truth about what you do. You will send men out to your neighbor's house with guns and jackboots to force them to contribute to you because you want free education, you want free health care, you want free Medicare, you want a free disability at their expense. And they will throw people in jail. They will destroy families because... They say, you didn't give enough. And Jesus has a whole parable that he goes into about the wicked servant who abuses his position of authority to collect for his master, to provide for the benefits that his master needs. And he is unforgiving in the collection of debt. And what did the master, good master do he threw that person into the deepest darkest dungeon the cruelty of Christ but another who was saying okay how much can you pay I can only pay this much okay I forgive the debt when did your tax collectors in the nation you're in Australia United States Canada when did they start doing that because those tax collectors are your priests and your ministers going out there being your worker bees to provide you with welfare and unemployment and social security and and uh, disability that's your priests and they aren't forgiving and so therefore you are partakers of their sins when you take those benefits some of you say well I don't take any of those benefits well you don't now but what are you doing to practice pure religion. Are you gathering together and providing for the data ministry? Well, I don't know anybody on your network. I don't want to be doing that until I know them. Well, have you picked a PCM? Well, no, I don't see. I want to give them authority over me. They don't have authority over you. It says it right there in the description, and you're talking through your hat when you say those kinds of things and equate a PCM with a daily ministration. And the people who have done that there's only a couple on the whole network who've done that. They are they are talking to the hat, and, and at least one of them should know better. He should be ashamed of himself. But he probably isn't. He's probably thinking well, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> but I don't know. And it doesn't really matter because it ultimately comes down to your relationship with Christ and your relationship with truth and your relationship with honesty. Are you doing what Christ said? Are you gathering together to be of service to one another? To work in the direction of the righteous mammon that takes care of its true needy by faith, hope, and charity. Are you doing that? Probably not. You're probably looking out for freedom-minded people to gather around you which is the antithesis of what Christ was all about. Christ came to serve, not gather people around him that would serve him in time of need. 
when we come back, we'll talk more about this, and I'll keep madly dashing through my emails to see if I can put together answers for all of your many questions. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest Prophecy DVD from Across the Border Productions Embrace the little known, the greatest prophecy given by the great high priest, the once secret plan for mankind at the first sacrificial event. Believe it. Behold the end times in Daniel chapter 2, because the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. It is the key to prophecy future. Comprehend the seven-year great tribulation deception. Be not deceived. Understand the great prophecy delusion, because if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Be forewarned. America in prophecy exposed for all to see you must see it the mark of the beast no it's not a biochip implant a much better and more secure technology is already here and you are already using it we will bonus you with a free copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work the Inquisition when you send a support donation of $20 to First Amendment Radio Visit the shopping page at our website or send $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Send your support donation of $20 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, Avenue, Tulare, California, or $30 U.S. for international priority mail outside the U.S.A. A wise man is forewarned and prepares for the times to come. Will you be ready? The Greatest Prophecy DVD. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, 
welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about the kingdom, and we're going to be talking about many aspects of that, and including the daily ministration, which is sorely neglected by people uh, today. And uh, we're going to going to look at a number of emails that came out. I'm not going to mention the names of the people, and some of these people I know, some of them I've known for years, uh, some of them I've only known for a short time, but really the relationships of the kingdom are about knowing Christ. Christ is the core of all relationships because it, you you do not know how to pick them. You couldn't pick a wife. You couldn't pick a friend. You can't do that because you depend upon the knowledge of good and evil. You depend on the tree of knowledge. But Christ can pick them. And so as you pick Christ, he will show you. He will be your tree of life. He will guide you in everything. And he does this through a thing he refers to as the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And unfortunately today, modern ministers have become the comforters of their congregation. And many of those ministers have an unholy spirit. Oh, they've got some pretty nice-looking ways about them and manners about them, and they speak softly and gently and stuff like that. I'm I'm amazed at the number of ministers we have found. You know, they they talk about the Catholics molesting boys, but the fact is we had a, a minister up here in a nearby town where they were uh he was molesting uh children including uh children that were disabled uh severely disabled children molesting them and uh I mean they had to really watch this guy cuz the locals wanted to string him up uh but he was a minister a pay people go to him to listen to him for counsel, and they didn't peg this. They didn't see it. I, I'm sure some did. Saw there was something wrong with this guy, but it was because their relationship was with the man, not with the Holy Spirit. Because if it was with the Holy Spirit, they should have seen that coming. And the Holy Spirit has. You know, I I have been somewhat caught off guard in the past, and I'm sure I will be caught off guard because I'm not perfect. I don't walk on water or any of those things. The reality is many of the things that I have learned over the years is I saw in certain people certain things, but I had hope that they would overcome those angers or resentments or dishonesty. And it is amazing that the more you stay rooted in the Spirit, the more dishonest dishonest men will become because they will be for they will reveal the evil in their hearts to you they will they will reveal it in their actions and what they do their unjust actions will shock people and the reason why is because of the fact that they do this and they do it because they live in darkness they cannot see what they appear as they think they still appear as righteous and and diligent individuals. And in reality, they are actually the antithesis of what they would like to think they are. But you see, sight has been taken away from them. The more you're rooted in the Holy Spirit in your relationship with Christ, 
the more you will reveal the evil relationship they have with Antichrist. <clears throat> and even though they use all these words, these, you know, the love and, you know, I accept Jesus Christ, I unabashedly accept Jesus Christ, they will actually do contrary, so much so, to the ways of Christ that people will see that. And, and then you have a second wave of understanding. They say, well, they were, they're men of God, so there must be something wrong here because they wouldn't have done this without cause because what they're doing seems so unfair and unjust and unrighteous. So there must be something wrong with me to, or there must be something wrong with somebody or, and they're creating all this doubt, but actually the doubt was always there. No, what you see is what you get. And when the Holy Spirit enters into this, evil will reveal itself. You know, it will reveal itself. They will have to do evil because the more you bring light, they'll close their eyes and they'll walk about and they'll do really stupid, bump into stuff and and seem clumsy and, and do things contrary. Before they seemed so righteous and now they seem so unrighteous. What happened? They can't see what they're doing because they do not love the light. So there's a good sign here is that it's working. <laughs> you know, the light is blinding, taking away sight from those who say they see and don't. And you are now separating the goats from the sheep. You ever sort sheep in the dark? <laughs> I've done that. It's really hard. You're trying to sort out the lambs from the ewes and and uh, and you're running them down a chute and you're trying to sort them and you can't even see <laughs> uh, it's not a good idea you need to see you need to have light to sort sheep and so but the amazing thing is is in the kingdom when you bring light into the situation the sheep will sort themselves the goats will go over here and the sheep will go over here but then we have to sort out those that hear his voice because many don't hear his voice yet and they, they may still have to be out in the world so the network is a tool the network that we've created is a tool and we've said that over and over again it's amazing the number of people that are still talking about personal contact ministers as if they're a position of authority and I'll read some of those emails to you in the next hour and a half but to continue on with the email that I sent out last night, to be fair, it says, How did Israel stand fast in the liberty that made them free for hundreds of years? A lot of people say, oh, it was a shambles, uh, what went on uh, when they tried to do this with their own works and all this kind of stuff, because it's not works, it's faith. Those men had faith. They had faith in God. They weren't without faith just because Christ hadn't come yet. The, the reason they wouldn't enter into Canaan is because they didn't have enough faith yet. Some did. You know, Joshua and Caleb. They thought, well, what are you guys so afraid of? Well, we're afraid. They still had to learn and create the bonds of coming together, and they need hard times to do this. And living in the desert was hard times in itself. 
I mean, they didn't need the plagues and all that stuff that they had in Egypt, which was a real boost to their coming together. We haven't even got there yet in America and Australia and Canada and, and the other places that are in the network in Europe. Europe is on the verge of that. I was listening to uh, BBC broadcasts, uh, podcasts that were coming in. Uh, I have a son-in-law who's from England, and I was traveling with him, and he has a little podcast device, and he had I've been downloading these podcasts and he hadn't had a chance to listen to them and now he was playing them in the radio to keep us awake as we traveled through the wilderness uh, late at night and uh, this was the previous week's podcast so it was guys predicting and talking about the future well now that week has come and gone and many of the things that they said has already happened some of the things were predicting stuff farther in the future and they talk about the European economy absolutely doomed. And that these pumping of billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars into banks and uh, these loans that they're putting out at low interest to stimulate the economy, to keep the economy from totally collapsing, being too little too late. And the fact is, is, they still talk about the economy of Europe being absolutely doomed anyway because even if they gave as much as they would need, they don't have it. So all it does is create more problems farther down. And uh, there has to be a change in the people, a severe change in the people, and that isn't going to come without hard times. The plagues haven't even really begun. The recession you have experienced it, where millions of people lost their homes, lost their life savings, lost their jobs, are now working underemployed. People are crammed into apartments and houses. This is going to get worse. And with that, there will come disease. When the Spanish flu came through, what killed most of the people? The fact that they were crammed together in tenants, not properly heated, not properly uh, fed, nutrition went down. Even if you could afford all the food in the stores, the nutrition is down in it already. In the days ahead, you will not even be able to afford good nutritional diet, even if it was available. And you will be crammed in tighter and tighter quarters. And and uh, I don't know what that was. Something clicked off on the phone. <laughs> And uh, uh, you will uh, you will be more and more ripe for disease. And then when other things begin to break down, uh, power outages and plumbing and and things like that, because all your plumbing is depending on power today, then you'll even more diseases will come. But you need to start building the network now. If Christ is in your heart, you, the handwriting is on the wall. China has been dependent. Uh, a, a point of dependency to keep us built out. They were hoping that that would be a stable economy and it has huge amounts of U.S. dollars and it would keep pumping into the system. Reality is already, if you, you've listened to the local cast and, and news of these areas, which you don't get watching CNN and Fox and all this, you have to get a broader range of information from people who are down there where the rubber meets the road and find out what's really going on and because they won't tell you because it is so frightening it is ridiculous that uh, China is having more and more bankruptcies all the time 
and the it will probably start coming to a head in June, July, etc. in this summer. And uh it it doesn't look good. It looks really bad. I mean most why did they go into Iraq to begin with? That was to prevent this economic collapse because he was about to monetize his oil in Euros. It had nothing to do with anything else other than that. They didn't even care about getting the oil. He's gonna pump the oil and put it on the market. As a matter of fact, the Saudis were hated him because of the fact that he always was pumping oil into the market, which meant they couldn't raise the price because him and Gaddafi were always overproducing. So nobody was afraid of him holding back oil. He wasn't. He wanted to sell oil. What they were afraid of is he was going to monetize it in the euro instead of the U.S. dollar, which would have killed the U.S. dollar because now all of a sudden European... Uh, economy in Germany and it would not need to get U.S. dollars to buy oil. Well, they invaded just who Germany didn't get their oil from there anymore. Most of the, the oil was being sold to China. And why? Because China's got lots of U.S. dollars and they want to get rid of them because they know that the economy is going to collapse in the U.S. And so they're buying all, their, all the oil they can get from Iraq. Gaddafi, he was going to monetize his oil and natural resources and trying to get many of the other African countries to do the same in a denarii, a golden denarii, which would have killed the U.S. dollar again, which would have killed Europe, which would have put strain on China because of all the U.S. dollars they have. They don't want to be caught with these. You know, they're playing musical chairs with dollars. Nobody wants to get caught with the dollars, but they don't want to just dump them because then the collapse will come sooner. All this is going on, and the average American hasn't got a clue. And he can't do anything about it anyway. It's coming. You can't change that. You know, I mean, you know, if you fall off of a 50-story building, you can pull out your handkerchief and kind of hold it over your head like a parachute, but it ain't going to stop anything. It might actually slow you down a little bit. Put out your arms, slap your hands. It might actually slow you down a little bit. But it isn't going to change the end result. You need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and doing what early Israel was doing, doing not what later Israel was doing, which is all what your Messianic Jews are going back to. They're going back to what the latter days of Israel and the corruption was doing. They're not going back to the original and they don't understand what the original is and that's why they should read the book Thy Kingdom Comes which we offer you for free. So you can find out what they were doing and not get caught up in all this religious mumbo jumbo that really isn't what Israel was practical. They were running a practical system, a governmental system based on networking. And the networking relationships created by a society that cares for the needs of its society, true needs of its society, through faith, hope, and charity. That's what they were trying to do. And as long as they did that, they beat all comers. When they lost sight of the righteousness of loving their neighbor and giving drink to their enemy, which is exactly what Christ was saying, when they lost track of that, they became susceptible. Christians were only those people in the Roman Empire and, and the governments around about them that returned to those ways. And this is why we wrote the book Thy Kingdom Comes. 
when thy will be done. What's his will? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How did the church do the same thing? They did the same thing by doing what Israel was doing. They were a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire, operating by the perfect law of liberty. There were no contributions except for those that were free will. And how were they handled? Were they all sent to Peter? No, they were handled in local congregations and network of people all across the Roman Empire and beyond that took care of themselves so much so that the emperors feared them. This is how they survived the collapse of the Roman Empire, through this network of faith, hope, and charity. And it begins by making contact with somebody and finding out whether you can trust them to do what they say they will do. Keep you in contact. I've had contact ministers who were the contact ministers of somebody who was dying of cancer and they never bothered to tell me. They were the contact minister. They knew I knew this person. They knew I met their family. But they didn't pass that information on to anybody else in their network, through the open network, that this person was dying of cancer. When we wrote and asked what the address was, of the, because well, we found out through an, uh, another part of the network by accident, because I happened to be on all the groups, they wouldn't, they never even responded. Oh, we forgot about it. Poor example of contact ministers. Poor example. But now we know. Now we know that they don't really, they aren't really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They're seeking their self-righteousness. We know. Why did the emperors fear the Christians? Because the union and discipline of the Christians was discipline. That meant somebody was in charge and telling them all what to do? No. Because the elders of every family saw the wisdom of Christ in not forsaking the coming together and knew that you cannot love one another unless you keep track of one another. The buddy system times ten. And they were so well organized that even during the... And they got better and better organized when these dirges, these dirths, these depressions came one after another, as you will see. Are you ready? Are you a part of a network based on love and caring and the righteousness of Christ? Based and bound by the love for one another? If you're not, you haven't even begun to join the church established by Jesus Christ. Because that's what it is. It isn't a group. It doesn't have a chapel. It doesn't have a building. It might have those things. I mean, we have a building that we can meet in. It's owned by a private individual, but it's at the local church and we can meet in that we can meet here we can meet outside we met yesterday cutting, uh, splitting firewood for an elderly couple and that's what we did and that is the worker bees of the kingdom and everybody came and everybody worked and everybody pitched in and nobody would take anything for it and when they ask, it says, well, we have to give you something. And it says, give something to somebody else. Pass it forward. We've heard that principle before. Why were the people so jealous of the Christians that they persecuted? What do you think they were persecuting them for? Because they were idiots? Because they were idiotes. They were non-participators. They didn't participate in their welfare system. They had their own. 
And they had their own because that was legal because anybody who got the baptism of Christ was cast out of the welfare system set up by Herod and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were cast out of that system. And they had their own system based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. It's so simple. It's right there over and over again. It tells you that. And that's why we're talking about it. Are you doing it? Are you seeking those weightier matters of mercy? Christ was the master of tough love. And we must master the art of tough love, too. We have to tell the truth as it is. No, you're not. You don't believe in Jesus Christ because you're not doing what he said. Because he said, those that believe me keep my commandments. Those who love me keep my commandments. Someone on one of the groups said that they uh, do not need a PCM. And I say, ah, there's the rub. They're not picking a PCM, a personal contact minister, because they don't need one. But that isn't the motivation for picking a personal contact minister. The motivation for picking a personal contact minister is because somebody else might need you. You see, that's the difference between Christ and not Christ. Because Christ didn't come because he needed you. He came because you needed him. Because you had a need, and he came to fill it. That's Christ. That's coming in the name of Christ. Are you gathering together to be of assistance and help to one another? Are you gathering together because you want other people around you who might be able to help you? One is Christ-like, and the other is the antithesis of Christ-like. But they profess Jesus unabashedly. But they don't profess them with their deeds. They have the symptoms of the disease. <laughs> That's because they are not well. They are not whole. And we, we can love them, but we must rebuke them. We must point out this error so that they may repent. This is where John the Baptist begins. He says, repent. Why is he saying repent? What do you think we're doing wrong? You know, the Pharisees didn't think they were doing anything wrong. Most Christians don't think they're doing anything wrong. They go to church every Sunday. You know, we love Jesus, uh, but they are doing something wrong. They are doing all kinds of things wrong, and they need to be rebuked. True kingdom seekers do not pick, elect, or choose a PCM because they have a need for themselves. They choose a PCM because others might have a need that they can meet. They might be able to be of service. So you, when you pick your ministers eventually, you want to pick men who want to serve others, not be served, not looked up to, not put on a pedestal, not say, oh, you tell us what it means. Christ's gospel is simple. He's telling you what it means. All you got to do is get a red-letter Bible and read it. I don't have a red-letter Bible, but the point of the red letters is what Jesus actually said. That is his doctrine. He's telling you. Now, you may need some help in understanding history and language and those things, and but you're going to have to get together and work this salvation out with fear and trembling with every elder in the church. 
not with one minister who gets up there and says, you have to believe the Bible. The Bible is telling you the truth. But the man who keeps thumping that often, not always, but often, is someone who is really saying, you have to believe my private interpretation of the Bible. And then he's gathering people around him. He's not gathering people to Christ. Big difference. Big difference. We'll be back after these words, and we'll get into some really nitty-gritty stuff. Don't forget that call-in number. We'll get it when we come back. If you have any calls, you can call in and give me heck. On this happy holiday, every day is a holiday in the kingdom. Because every day is a holy day. That's it. Be back in a You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them, if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're going to go through a little bit more here and see how much we can begin to understand about the kingdom. There's a uh, We talk a lot about the technicalities of the kingdom, the structure of the kingdom, the mechanics of the kingdom, uh, and also about the relationships of the kingdom. And, of course, the world is full of relationships. Thieves and robbers have relationships. Uh, they have loyalty. They kiss each other on the cheek. Uh, we see that in uh, all your movies about the mafia. So they have they have relationships and loyalty and honor and all these things. 
But what they don't have is Christ. And ultimately, like I said, all our relationships must be filtered through our relationships with Christ. And what is that relationship with Christ? It's a spiritual relationship. And uh, we sometimes people don't really put much substance in spiritual relationships. But uh, And science, of course, will tell you there is no spiritual reality. There's only the physical reality, some reality that they can put under a test tube and look at it and examine it. But now science is beginning to see quantum physics. And quantum physics doesn't really fit into their test tube, but yet they can see the results of it through experimentation. And really what a lot of quantum physics is all about is about that spiritual realm because the spirit is what created the physical realm, not the physical realm, gave us a place in which to play out the spirit. That's actually the substance of reality is spiritual, and therefore, as we want to become uh, in a place of dominion over the spiritual and therefore physical reality, we must do it first in spirit. In spirit and in truth, Christ came. So we aren't waiting for the kingdom to come to us. We have to go and seek it. That's why it's stated that way. It didn't say... Wait for the kingdom to come and its righteousness. No, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom and the righteousness of God, and all else will be added unto you. So that's our mission, is to seek that. And how do we seek that? Well, Christ gives us a hundred ways in all these different parables he's telling us that we have to honor what we say. We say we're going to do something, we have to do it. We have to... uh, uh, be forgiving or we can't be forgiven we have to give so that we will be given freely receive freely give freely give freely receive these are the, love one another but no greater love does a man have than he laid down his life even if it's for you know a, a donating something to his neighbor because the neighbor needs help and if you want to do this in a kingdom fashion, not just an individual fashion, then you have to organize yourself somehow because the kingdom is not an individual. It's everybody. But yet we know the kingdom of heaven is within. Or at least that's where it begins. But then to be a kingdom, what is within you has to be within others. So again, your relationship with each other has to be rooted in your relationship with Christ. But then how does that look? And then that's when we get into structure. And the reason we get into structure and mechanics of the kingdom you know that pure religion includes caring for the needy of your society without praying to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority which is the world so the reason we get into that mechanics is to show you that you are not doing what Christ said and therefore we rebuke you we reprove you and we do it out of love so that you will have a chance to repent and turn around and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're back there again. We've gone full circle here. And there's a hundred million ways in which we can do that because there's a hundred million people out there who need to be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And unfortunately, many of them are not. They think they are, but there are so many blind guides out there that they get themselves into all sorts of trouble and they need 
need to have some true guides out there. And, you know, I would love to be one of those true guides, but that depends on my relationship with Christ. And, if, and you know, Christ has uh, given us limited resources to reach out, but in that, he's teaching us every day. We see all the mistakes that people make, all the confusion that people uh, fall prey to, all the lies that they have been deceived by. And we we point out those lies. And we uh, expose them. And we shine light on them so that they can repent and develop a closer relationship with God by doing the will. God, this knowledge that we share with you is like a denarii. Some of you are soaking up more knowledge than others. You're pre-prepared to do so. God has already prepared you to receive and understand more about what we're saying than other people. And in that understanding, you have more than one denarii. You may have two or three or four or five or ten or a hundred pieces of the pie. What you do with them will determine... Now, we hear about the guy with one denarii, only one denarii, or talent, I guess is the word that they were using. One talent, which I actually love that word because it's kind of talent to talent. You know, it's not only a piece of money, but it's actually an ability uh, in the modern language. So you, you have this one talent, and he didn't do anything with it, and he had it taken away. Well, what happened if he gave you 20 talents? All kinds of information. You still didn't do anything with it. You would take them away. What happened if you had 20 talents and you did something with 15 of them and and five of them you kind of held back? And he, will he take those five away from you and leave you with the 15? You know, I don't know. He didn't get into that. You figure it out. You ask him. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, this is the quantum physics of spirituality that if you don't accept the light of Christ it will be taken away from you and you will be made blind if God gives you a gift and you do not share it according to his will not according to mine not according to your own but according to his will it will be taken away from you you are to become a conduit of his blessings on the world and a conduit of his rebuke if God gives you the truth about a particular situation, you don't speak up. Will He give? And He wanted you to. I mean, why did He give you that information? Just so you could sit around and feel superior? He gave you that information most often so that you could share it wisely with somebody else. And He will tell you how that is. I don't. I don't know. Every situation is different. I'm not gonna make up rules about it. But the reality is that this is your relationship with Christ with the Holy Spirit, with the tree of life. Not the tree of knowledge, but the tree of life. It says, do this. Here's this information. Share this. Tell them. I remember once I was in an airport, and uh, I was really tired. I'd been going, 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 going. And I believe that God told me to go over and talk to somebody, and I didn't do it. I didn't act. I was tired uh, something held me back and I don't believe that it was a good spirit that held me back it was my own apathy 
and God rebuked me, and I'm sharing that with you. Uh, we need to act on those little things that God gives us so that he will give us bigger things. So now, here you have a network that we're trying to form uh, with the blessings of God. And in order to form that living network, you have to make a living connection. But so many people want to just be on an email group and think, well, I'm on the email group. That's my connection. But that's not a living connection. You haven't plugged in. And people say, oh, I can't make choices. I can't. You call it elect and, and only God can elect. Well, where's God? Isn't he in your heart? Isn't he telling you who to elect? Uh, well, then they can rationalize. Well, God's not telling me to elect anybody. Well, maybe your God's not. But I believe that God is telling you to make a living connection. How can you get around the daily administration unless you make a living connection? And what are we doing? We're building that network now to try to find others. We get on other radio programs uh, in Canada. They're trying to get us on, uh, what is it? Uh, well, I can't even remember the name of the guy. <laughs> Alex Jones. Say again? Alex Jones. Alex Jones, okay, yeah. I'm terrible at names. I know who Alex Jones is and everything, but... Uh, um, they're trying to get, get somebody brought it up anyway I don't know what they're trying to do actually but they mention it and all of a sudden we would have a media outlet that would far exceed that of this radio station which is is reaching out to some people but you know we have no delusions about the fact that Alex Jones reach out to millions of people and you get on at that show and then suddenly you will have a big influx into the network and you also have a big flex, influx of headaches because you'll have all kinds of people who don't get the message of Christ, don't want to get the message of Christ, and have no intention of getting the message of Christ, but probably come so they can gather freedom-minded people around them so that they will feel more secure, <laughs> which has always been a problem and will always be a problem. But the fact is, is the more of those of us who gather together that are really seeing the kingdom and are really developing a true relationship with Christ that is guiding us, and we will all stumble, we will all fall, we will all fall short, and that's great because now there's an opportunity for forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, uh, and learning to walk in the ways of Christ. Uh, you, you learn by doing. You learn by working at it, by being diligent. And so... Anyway, if we got into other media and brought more people to the network, we still have to... It's not bringing more people to an email group. It's actually making those connections so that we can efficiently... That was one of the practicalities of the network of uh, first, second, third century Israel is that they formed this network that took care of one another and created this bonds of society that held up during hard times. There was never they were never without some corruption. And that corruption was greater and lesser at different times. But the reality is that's going to be the way it was in the first century church too. And in this century's church. And we constantly have to guard against that by constantly renewing that relationship with the Holy Spirit and then interacting with each other. Unfortunately, many churches are renewing their relationship with each other as people. These emotional bonds of backscratching and, and, and tummy rubbing, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a tickle, ear tickling, 
so that you say, oh, I really like that preacher. He makes me feel so good. <laughs> and which is probably why a lot of people don't like me because I'm not in the making you feel good business. I'm in the making you see the truth business and the truth hurts. Jack Nicholson is right. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> I don't I guess, yeah, I was the one who said that, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> The reality is is that you need to handle the truth, you need to face the truth, you need to see the truth, and you need to act upon it. And that's what brings the spiritual mechanics into place, is that acting upon. Because in acting upon the truth, you will discover how short you are falling of the spiritual reality of patience and love for one another. I should have forgiven him. I should have been more patient. I should have been more outgoing. I should have been more open. I should have been more honest. I shouldn't have been so uh, angry, impatient, uh, whatever it is. And then a quantum effect begins to take place. If Christ takes away sight from those who say they see, does he give sight to those who say they don't see who admit they've fallen short humility is a key part of the key that opens the door of Christ you have to realize that you are not in the kingdom that you're not an ambassador to Christ you are not doing what Christ said in order for Christ to show you what to do next if you already know it, you already, and you're just looking to gather freedom-minded people around you, then you missed it, and you will be made blind. You will not see what we are really talking about. This is really a spiritual journey that we are talking about while we explain the route that you can follow on the yellow brick road <laughs> on this on this ways of the kingdom. And, you know, it's it's a real personal journey. And now I'll read some of the emails. Uh, for us to elect a PCM without knowing who these people are is a misguided use of stewardship. Now, that was written on one of the groups. What stewardship? What stewardship are we talking about? Are you giving that person power? No. I mean, if you buy your computer from Apple, you are enriching the people at Apple. If you buy a computer from Microsoft, you are enriching the people at Microsoft. Do you have to look into the moral integrity of those people that you are enriching, and how do you do that? There's so many people that you're dealing with, people who own stock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The fact is, is that you're taking this way too far. Somebody says, I will help keep you in contact. I mean, how do you plug in? Do you, what carrier, what telephone company do you go with? Because you're going to give them the stewardship over your phone line. You know, if I go with AT&T, if I go with Verizon, if I go with Sprint, you're giving them stewardship. How many people do you know who work at Sprint? You don't know those people. You don't know any of those people, but yet you're giving them stewardship over your connection. 
that's all we're doing by picking a PCM is you're giving them stewardship. And I can tell you this, it's a lot easier to change your PCM than to change your phone company. It's a lot easier. But that's what you're doing is you're deciding, am I going to plug in my living terminal to this individual or my living terminal to that individual? You have your hand on the cord. You can unplug in an instant and plug into somebody else. But here's the guy who's burying his talent. He's not going to pick somebody because he's afraid he's going to be called out on his stewardship. Yet he picks a phone company to connect him with the rest of the whole world. You know, they're making too big out of this. He goes on to say, I I also have to agree with the point that was made in choosing and appointing men over the business of daily administration. My reasoning leads me to believe that as things become uh, tighter knit, there are those who will become more well-known in their actions of servitude, and the people will choose that person only because he or she is already doing the work. How are they going to get tighter knit by sitting on an email group? We're going to go out here. We're going to gather all these people, spend night and day, working night and day, trying to get on more uh, and more broadcasts and, and becoming guests. Who's, who's doing this? Who's the staff? Who's volunteering to help make all this happen? You guys are just sitting on an email group. I tell you, most of the workers are on the PCM group because they've already volunteered. That's the mechanics. They've already said they volunteer. Now, I will admit that there are a number of PCMs that aren't doing much, and there have been a lot of PCMs in the past who didn't do anything. For months, did nothing. They were eventually removed. They were still elected. But I'm not putting them on the PCM group because that's a work-only group. That's for people who really want to work and diligently do what they said they volunteered for. And if you want to know what they volunteered for, go read the PCM group description, what a PCM is expected to do, which isn't really very much. I mean, the guys who are on the PCM group, most of them don't think that they're doing enough. But they, if you give them the resources, some of them will do. And we need to bring more to that group. And we'll read some of those emails of some of the people that I think really ought to be on that group. Uh, how do you expect to think, how are we going to find those other people in there? We haven't got a, 360 million Americans, how many millions do you think we've gotten our voice out to? How many million people even know that there is a network that they could join and start meeting the people in their local area who are thinking about the perfect law of liberty. Not very many. Not hardly even a percent. Not even hardly a percent. So how are we going to get the message out? How are we going to preach the kingdom? That's up to you to give us the tools. And why is it up to you to give us the tools? Because Christ is giving you the opportunity to choose to give. And forgive and be diligent and strive and seek all these action words that Christ is telling you that's what you need to do strive, seek, persevere come together love one another rebuke one another he's telling you all these things to do are you doing those things or are you sitting on an email group waiting for us to become closer knit how do we become closer knit 
There is the email network and there is the living network. And the living network makes actual connections. And people take on responsibilities. They don't rule over anybody. They take on responsibility because they say, I want to be a worker bee. And you say, okay, go for it. And I'll keep my eye on you to make sure you're working. And if you're not, I'll pick somebody else. Or I'll volunteer and do it. God forbid. Leaders will submit themselves to the will of those they serve, and as such, the people will recognize that service by placing him or her into that position. Now, that may be just poorly worded, but if there's, and it's hard to tell what somebody's thinking again from email, which is, of course, why we want to get away from email, and I don't want to pick on the individual. But listen to this. Leaders will submit themselves to the will of those they serve. Every minister should serve Christ alone. And they have to serve Christ in their good conscience that he gives them. Yes, listen to the elders that you serve and see if that, and I'll, but always turn and ask Christ, is this what you want me to do? Because if it isn't, then don't serve that elder. You see, this is the checks and balances of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of heaven is within each of you. The elder serves you as you serve the elder. You give him the tools by which he must act to do. You serve each other. You serve the minister. The elder serves the minister. The minister is an elder, too, and he serves you, and, and on and on and on and on. It's a mutual thing. It's a symbiotic relationship of mutual caring of people who are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There is nobody higher than anybody else except... We might say he he's really a little higher because he is such a servant. I mean, Christ is explaining this. Why don't you guys get this? Why are you making your ministers, your pastors, higher than you and saying, oh, if he says this is what we should believe, this is what... Should... No wonder there's so much division. Christ can speak to each of you in your hearts and in your minds. And that's where the kingdom... What is What is the rock upon which Christ will build his church? It's this inner revelation that all of us must have. And if we see that our neighbor doesn't have it, we should rebuke him. And in that rebuke, we may find out, well, my goodness, I didn't really have it. I misunderstood. I gave him examples of that where somebody said something and I disagreed with what he said. But I listened to what he had to say, and I thought about it, and I eventually realized that he was right. And that's so that's so much part of that relationship with Christ that we're willing to admit humility is the key to this, to listen to the, what the other has to say. And, and being able to argue these things out and discuss them. But that's not the purpose of the network group. People, which they also mentioned, and I don't know if I copied it over, so I don't know if I'll get to it, but they mentioned if people want to have debates, we have the Yahoo groups. 
they're still sitting there. Anybody can join those Yahoo groups and debate and debate. And if you've got a good debate going on, you can write your local group and say, hey, here's the Yahoo group. We're having a debate about this, that, or the other thing. They're all still there. Nobody's debating over there. We've started the network groups. Everybody goes over there. And they want to start debates over on the network groups. The network groups are for networking so that you can develop that living network of connections. But people, oh, I don't want to join a PCM. I don't need a PCM because I, I, I don't need somebody else to tell me who to be in contact with. He wants to be at the center of his universe. You join, you pick a PCM because you don't want to be at the center of the universe. You want to be serving others. You jo- if you're coming and picking that PCM so that he will tell you when somebody needs help, like somebody dying of cancer, then you have a solution that could have helped them. But he doesn't tell you. Then he isn't doing his job. You see, it's about service. It's not about being served. That's why we created the network in such a way because, and, and we, we learned this from our sheep. Our sheep showed us this. <laughs> and we won't go into all that right now. We won't get to the end of this. Um, here's another letter written by somebody, and I don't have the name underneath this, but maybe I'll recognize it as I read it. Uh, and I'm only reading bits and pieces of it. It seems to me that this has become something far more complicated than it really is. And he's talking about the choosing of a PCM. Am I missing something? Is not the PCM merely just a point of contact? <laughs> he's not missing it. It's been stated numerous times that a PCM has no authority over anyone at any time. He, she is simply a thread of communication to other groups. It's just like, do you want to use uh, uh, copper cable? Or do you want to use, uh, what's that other cable, Paul, that they, uh, that's, uh, you know, glass fiber optics, that's it. Uh, you got it. Or do you want to use fiber optics? <laughs> uh, do you want to go analog or digital? You know, and the fact is, is you want to go living. You want a living connection. So you pick one and it doesn't work. Pull the plug, plug it into somebody else. That's the way it works. It's really simple. Uh, and he, he goes on to say, if I'm wrong, uh, please correct me. He's not wrong. If I'm correct, then one might understand why I can't see what all the hubbub is about. And, Absolutely, and this is what uh, another individual, Richard, was pointing out, is that how many times has this been said? We sent the link over and over again showing what a PCM is, that he's just this living connection, that he has no authority, on and on and on. It's all right there. It hasn't really changed. Uh, and yet people don't know it, but yet they're talking like they're, uh, oh, but we can't pick a PCM because of this, that, and that. And, it's like they don't even know what they're talking about. And, of course, they don't because it's all about them. It isn't about serving others. And so they completely missed it. They're completely blind to the simplicity of this. But they don't have to stay completely blind. Now that we've rebuked them, they can say, thank you for this loving rebuke. <laughs> they can start getting their act together and picking a PCM. 
Most families like mine, this guy goes on to say, I actually know who this guy is. I've met this guy. And he's a very interesting individual. Uh, you know, he has some of the uh, uh, Messianic Jew appearances and stuff like this, and this is part of his learning. And, I, and these are his choices. And, but he's right on the money here. He'd make an excellent PCM, and people should elect him. <laughs> He'd probably say, no, I'm just a worker bee or something, you know, and I'm quoting somebody else who used to always say that to me or said that to me a number of times. Anyway, we're going to go to another break, and when we come back, we're going to read a few more things and get a better view of what you do right now. Where is your answer? Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or War of Federal Aggression? John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free? Or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. 
war of federal aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of federal aggression. Get it today. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. This is our last half hour here. on this day in history, there's a few items that I thought I would mention, and everything that happens in history, I can always relate it eventually to the kingdom. There was the War of 1812, uh, which had to do with the fact that Britain was really upset because the Americans had broken off uh, a great deal of their relationships. Uh, we didn't really win the uh, so-called Revolutionary War as much as everybody would like to think, and we haven't been all that independent uh, of those uh, elements that were in Great Britain at that time that wanted control over their colonies. And they really do exercise a tremendous amount of control today. And But there's another element, the bankers of the world are also exercising tremendous amount of control. But the War of 1812, uh, which intended to burn the library at, uh, of the United States, uh, the Library of Congress, kind of, and many changes took place after that war that we missed and historians have gone back and looked at uh, amendments that had passed uh, disappeared and uh, lots of that a lot of intrigue that was surrounding that war of 1812 uh, which was in 1814 on this day in history that they signed signed this uh, treaty of Kent but treachery has gone on Uh, there was actually a devastating fire as late as 1851 where uh Two-thirds of some of the collections were destroyed in uh, the Library of Congress, including a great deal of uh, Thomas Jefferson's uh, personal library that had been sold to the institution back in 1815, the year after the signing of that treaty. Well, a lot of other things were destroyed, and again, a great deal went missing because the destruction of records, the destruction of sources of information are key elements in the rest of the power seekers of the world who are trying to gain power over us. And so that is one of the reasons why we need to keep records. We need to make these contacts and connections. And those records have to be very grassroots oriented, not centralized, as we did with this library. That's one of the reasons why you should keep records of your family births in your own Bible. But that should not be the only place. You should also do it in your church, which is a church composed of people. And you keep a record. Even this tradition of giving out uh, wedding cakes started way back when they would give out little types of cookies that were made with natural sugars that come from grains and stuff like that, which brings me to Ezekiel bread and how it's really made. But I'll have to share that on the network, which is another reason why you should go on the network to find out about Ezekiel bread and what that's really all about. But these little cake cookies that they would make, they would hand out at weddings, and they would hand them to the children and say, this was the day so-and-so married so-and-so. And And this is a part of their record-keeping, too, because that child would remember that little sugar cookie that he never gets any other time. And I say sugar is natural sugar cookies or fruits or whatever it was that they were handing out. 
It was something special that was made at that event to help the children remember that this person married so-and-so because that was the way in which you kept records for your society to know who was to inherit what and who was related to who and who was, and this was an important part of society. Rome realized that was an important part of society. The United States does, Australia does, all these countries, and they want to keep records too. But their purpose of keeping the records is not to keep you free, but to keep you bound up. Well, we need to keep records to keep each other free. And those ministers who are ministers of record who are not keeping records uh, will not be recognized because we know they don't care about us as much as they care about themselves because they won't keep records. And they make us all vulnerable by not honoring their words, which we go through in the guidelines. <clears throat> and we explain why those are in the guidelines. And there's audios and videos and everything else up on the net. And hopefully well, there will be more that we make with your help to explain how the kingdom of God really worked and can work today. It requires a certain kind of person. And that's what we're looking for. Uh, on this day in history, also... Uh, uh, John D. Rockefeller was declared one of the richest men in the world uh, at $100 million, which is chicken feed today because <laughs> we're, uh, we're all in this money system of dollars, which aren't really dollars but uh, paper credits. Uh, we haven't had uh, capitalism in this country since 1913. Things change. Uh, you, you, this, on this day in history in 1914 was the first air raid on Britain uh, was made when a German airplane dropped a bomb on the grounds of the rectory at Dover um, that was in 1914 by 1942 German rocket engineer Werner von Braun launched the first surface to surface guided missile uh, in a very short period of time uh, things changed uh, there has been lots and lots of changes sense and but the changes that are on the horizon are even greater which is why you need to form that living network and stop being uh, selfish start being a giving individual who is giving and loving and uh, and seeking to be of service one to another because that is the nature of Christ we need to become minute men for righteousness for the righteousness of God not self-righteousness so anyway, to go back to reading some of the posts that were generated after my little email to all the groups last night uh, so that everybody who doesn't have as active a group can hear what some people are thinking, uh, it's very important that we go over some of these things so that you kind of get a glimpse of the precept upon precept, which is the kingdom of God, which we are supposed to be seeking. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, he goes on to say, he says, most families like mine uh, have the one, have that one or two persons that informs other family members of important things that are going on. If my elderly great aunt is in need and there's uh, something I can do to help, I find out about it through my father. He's the point of contact, our PCM or PCM, personal contact minister. I don't call my aunt up every day to make sure all is well because I know if anything goes wrong, I have a point of communication that will quickly inform me about it. 
This, again, is the buddy system times 10. This should be going on in every family. We have some of those people in our family. Some of our family is on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. I don't need to be on Facebook. I'm in contact daily with somebody who is on Facebook. I'm in contact daily, and some of those people are in contact with each other because they don't even have a computer, but they're still in contact. So we we will hear by phone, by uh, whatever means what's going on, and we can keep track that way. I have uh, brothers and sisters I almost never talk to, but we're, we know that they are connected in other ways. <clears throat> I'm always here if anybody wants to talk to me, but they have their own lives, and we don't get involved necessarily with each other's day-to-day activities, uh, but we know if something's going on. That's what the network is, but it's another family. It's another layer of the same precept upon precept, and you have to know who's the go-to guy, who's the connection point. It's about gathering people around us. It's about a kingdom so that you're connected with one PCM here in Carolinas or Tennessee or uh, Maine or Canada, and that PCM is in contact with people in California, in Australia, in Colorado, in Iowa, in Texas. And they nurture those connections. They check those connections daily. Hey, are you, are we still plugged in here? Are we still, are you still getting messages? How's things going? And we're still connected. Not just on a local basis, gathering people around us who could be of assistance to us. But gathering people together in a network all across the country. The guys in Australia probably can't ever do anything for me when things get really bad. They're too far away. But if I do something for them, this is one of the things about quantum physics that they found that was so amazing, is that somebody thinking something in outer space was actually affected or affected things that were going on on Earth. There was some sort of quantum connection just by thought alone from one end to the other in the universe. The 100 monkeys, which is what I talked about on Freedomizer last week, and it will play again this afternoon at 3 o'clock, so you can go listen to it. We already have it up on the net because we have no agreement. They they let us post those things right away. I'm actually in the process of... uh, uh, getting ready to post the uh, blog talk from this morning uh, right now uh, and it's downloading on the on another computer so that I will go through that and have that up by this evening. But this show you can get a copy of on you know at libertyradiolive.com <clears throat> and, and eventually we will have a copy of that available for you but uh, if you want to hear it this afternoon you'd have to but of course you're all listening to it right now. But that's the way in which to support the local radio station. This is important, that everybody is playing their part in supporting a whole network and forms of communication. This radio station has its form of communication, which is a part of our network. The email groups have their form. The PCMs have their form. It's not a living network unless you're plugged into a living individual. The network is and its function It is only a tool whereby we can more effectively serve one another. I'm quoting somebody else here. If one wants to debate theology, maybe a different user group would be more suitable for that. 
as continual debate is defeating the purpose of the network, which is to more effectively serve one another. This guy's got it. He was responding to the fellow before and in agreement with him, evidently. You know, he's got it as far as the verbiage I see here and the words I see written here. But whether you really got it, that's in the proof is in the pudding, not in the recipe. He's he's got the recipe. And does anyone doubt that time is getting short in which to build a useful and effective network? Yep, I don't doubt it. I know it's important. I know it's important that each of you start working together and start stop dividing one another through your theologies. Now, we do have groups. Like I said, we have the Yahoo groups. And if you go on there and you look for the guidelines for being on the network, they give you in those uh, that posting, that web page, you know, it's at the bottom of all our network pages. You go to hisholychurch.org and get on that. It shows you the other Yahoo groups that you can get onto and debate and debate and debate and debate. But really, we want you to be talking with each other in your living rooms and in your homes and in coffee shops and start creating those relationships because you need more and more people in order to facilitate. Now, it's amazing, you know, you people who think you're trapped in the cities and, you know, you want to abandon your jobs and abandon everything and run to the country. We have people in the country already, and they will need your help. But what they don't want the help of is people who want to gather free men around them to make themselves feel safe. We want to find those people who care about each other, who are actually be an asset if they come. You know, we've had so many people over the years who've come here, going to come out and help. They were not only not a help, they were a hindrance. Now, we have had people that come out and were a great help. But the fact is, those who come around go around. And we're filtering those people out. The same as we were filtered out of, you know, I've talked in a lot of big churches, but never twice. In the big churches. We don't expect to be talking in big churches. At least not yet, till all hell starts to break loose. Then we'll probably get a few more invitations. <laughs> right now, we are building a strong network of people who get it who are not going to bury their talent. Remember those guys who had two talents and three talents? What were they given? They were given more. And we will give more to those who we see acting and reacting in the ways of Christ. And those who don't, well, have a nice day because we're not going to share our pearls with you. We're just not going to do it. You're on your own. And that's the way it's going to be, and that's the way it's going to stay. Because we're going to slam the doors in the face of the foolish virgins until they stop being so foolish and start giving and forgiving and living according to the ways of Christ. And if we don't see the ways of Christ and what you're doing, don't expect us to enrich your foolishness. You expect us to rebuke your foolishness. Because we aren't ear ticklers. We are servants of God who are seeking to serve God in His ways and according to His character. Which means, what? What's the most important thing? Or one of the most important? I said what the most important. The most important thing is, is, is God and our relationship with God through Christ. 
But one of the important things that Christ points out is to rebuke one another. Because as many as I love, I rebuke. That's it. And those of you who do not keep the commandments, don't expect to find eternal life. Expect rebuke. Those of you who do not gather together in faith, hope, and charity, because you care about one another, and, you know, if you don't care about one another, you will find yourself getting upset and even angry at the fact that people are a scattered flock and they're all over the board. You'll get, you'll get upset. What's the matter with these people? Can't they get it? You know, you know, you know and then people need help, you just give it to them. You don't just throw them a bologna sandwich. You know, why are you saying that? What, what are you talking about? What, what's in your heart? If people need help, find out what help they really need. They don't need stuff any more than children need more Christmas presents. Children don't need more Christmas presents. They need less Christmas presents. <laughs> they need, you want to give a gift to your children? Teach your children how to give. Don't teach them how to receive. <laughs> they got that down pretty good. Start uh, getting your children to share and give and be honest and honorable and keep their word. That's the gift that go, keeps on giving. <laughs> what, what is that from? Hey, Paul, you're there. Let's hear another voice besides just mine. <laughs> I'll pick on poor Paul. Uh, what, where, where's that saying come from? The gift that keeps on giving. I think it was a commercial, a TV commercial. It was a TV commercial. Yeah, I know that. I was trying to think of what the what the object was. Uh, Maybe someone in the chat. Thing. Well, no, I think it was like Hallmark cards, or I don't remember for sure. No, yeah, no chat room. Yeah, maybe that was the Hallmark cards or something. Anyway, yeah, the, that's right. There's a chat room somewhere <laughs> out there. I didn't. Even, I wasn't even looking at the chat room. I'm downloading Blog Talk this morning, so that's taking up all my bandwidth. <laughs> But, uh, uh, so what's going on in the chat room? They're adeptly listening. There's a lot of talk about the weather at the beginning of the show. It's, I guess it's sunny in most places around the country, apparently. <laughs> right, it's, a, it's actually a little bit overcast here. We can see some uh, blue sky, but uh, uh, the sun's not actually shining very strongly on the building right now, which is kind of unusual, but... Uh, but I can see blue sky in the distance. Of course, I can see sky for about 100 miles in every direction. <laughs> and David in California also mentioned that it's funny that he's eating Ezekiel bread at the very moment you were mentioning it. Okay, well, now we'll have to talk about the recipe. How do they <laughs> make that Ezekiel bread? Because I think that's a real mystery. People don't understand how Ezekiel bread is made. And, you know, I have my opinion, and I'm sure other people have theirs. There's a million recipes out there. But there is a certain, uh, uh, you know, we are what we eat. That's another saying that somebody came up with. The reality is is uh, not only physically what we eat, but what we consume of our neighbors and what we, how we share one another. And I have found that the more light you bring to a situation, the less people have an appetite to take a bite out of you. Because, <laughs> you know, they they cannot receive that. But. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. So was that Nitsan eating the Ezekiel bread, or was that somebody else? No, it was David in California, I think. Oh, I 
David in California. Now there's it says a David in C. I think that's short for California, if okay. I remember right. And Claude in Vermont is uh, cheering you on with a right on. We should be locking elbows, not horns. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 not afraid of a little conflict now and then, uh, but uh, uh, we really need to. Uh, start connecting and getting the network as strong as we can if we were to get on one of these larger radio stations and suddenly have an influx we need to have a network of men who really are getting it and you know I I was encouraged by those uh, emails that we got from I guess that was on the Carolina group some of those some of them are from other groups but uh, uh, they they do get it now I don't know who the second guy was but the first guy I do remember him and I'm not mentioning names not that I've completely forgot them I do know who they are <laughs> I I will commonly forget them but I think he'd make a great PCM both of those guys seem to get it and it's not a hard job to do and the more people that are doing it the easier the job gets because everybody shares the load uh, we've had to pick up some pretty heavy things and the more people like the the job when we went split wood for elderly couple yesterday uh, it would have taken one guy a good part of the day to cut and restack all that wood. Uh, but we did it in 45 minutes. They couldn't believe how fast it was all done. There was uh, four, five, six of us out there working. And uh, we we took the pile down one log at a time and just split, split, split. We didn't take a... Uh, we have a gas splitter that we built, but we all just went down there with splitters and we did it and that's the PCMs that they all start working together and they start pooling their knowledge and their skills and their intelligence and the the people that are on the network if you want to see this happen you have to contribute to their efforts you have to share with them and, and you have to be Minutemen for righteousness Minutemen for Christ and that's that's kind of the message and there is a gift if we build this network there is the gift that keeps on giving because there is people who will be gathering together givers uh, lovers <laughs> be, what is it lovers not fighters isn't there a saying about that? <laughs> uh, but that love has to be real love it has to be a love that strengthens and enriches you know spoiling your children is not real love and so many people this weekend are going to be spoiling their children. Uh, they, that's not real love. Discipline and rebuking your child when he does wrong and having the courage to discipline him with love and patience and say, you know, you did wrong here. You, you did poorly here. Uh, I still love you, but I have to point that out so that they can get better and more attentive to the weightier matters themselves. And so this is this is my message of encouragement. Is do not fear the righteousness of God, but seek it. Uh, seek the righteousness of Christ. Christ turned to Peter and said, Get ye behind me, Satan. Oh, mean Christ. That was mean. I mean, can you imagine... Imagine the other apostles sitting around because he said this in front of the others. And they go like, ooh, that must have hurt, you know. And uh, 
but it was to help. And then later on, Jesus is telling Peter that you're going to betray me three times before the cock even crows. And Peter's going like, uh, what is he going to say to Jesus? Liar! <laughs> He's not going to be able to do that. You know, Jesus was blunt and to the point. And we need to have a little of that too and not fear being blunt and to the point. Because iron sharpens iron because iron strikes iron and rubs against iron and hones iron. And we need to be able to do that. And a good, strong network built on the relationship with Christ can do that with ease and without fear. And that's how we... There used to be a guy up north, and we haven't completely lost contact with him, but he isn't really a part of the network too much. I don't think they're on the net all the time. But he used to always, like, give the bear hugs. And uh, when you were hugged by that guy... You knew you'd been hugged. <laughs> but anyway, uh, until next week, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. Thanks, Paul, for being there. My pleasure. Thanks, Greg. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.